0: This episode is brought to you by the Hammerhead Karu 2. The Hammerhead Karu 2 is a next generation cycling computer that brings the power of advanced GPS navigation and intuitive software right to your handlebars. Keep listening to the episode to find out how you can get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor. Welcome to the Cycling Performance Club podcast, the weekly podcast where a panel of scientists, pro cyclists and cutting-edge coaches discuss topics in training, performance and science and all things cycling. The show is co-hosted by Dr. Jason Boynton, who's a sports scientist and cycling coach, Cyrus Monk, who is a professional cyclist and cycling coach, and then there's me, Damien Roos, a professional cycling coach. The Cycling Performance Club podcast is normally recorded in the presence of a live audience, But this time, we are trying out a new platform, Riverside. So you'll have to follow us on social media to see how to get involved. But if you do get involved, you'll be able to join in and ask questions or just participate in the discussion. This week, we are going to cover blood lactate testing. And Jason is all over this one. So I'm going to hand it to him. Go ahead, Jason.
1: Uh, Yeah, but there was a funny story. Uh, So Cyrus and I found out that we actually raced against each other at one time. Um, so that was, I don't know, I thought thought that was hilarious. And the reason I found out about this is because I went to your Wikipedia page, Cyrus, and then I saw that you were the, uh, university world champion.
2: That's correct.
1: I was like, I know that guy. I raced against him. So it was really funny that, that, like, you know, this was back in 2016 when they had the uni games in Perth. Okay. I'm I'm a PhD student, so I can qualify for this. And then you must have been here to, to show the, the rainbow Jersey off. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I never made it to the crit cause the weather was so bad, but we did the road race together and, um, yeah, it was funny. We went, we would have gone one, two. If it wasn't for the three man breakup, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Jason ended up fourth and I ended up fifth in that one. So that's ruining my credibility as the pro cyclist on this panel. So
1: that and the um, VO2 max difference, too. Don't forget that. <laughs> Got to get that in yeah. there.
2: So <laughs> either I'm going to have to go to Perth and um, tell Jason up in some local races there, or I'm going to have to go get a PhD and or a couple of PhDs <laughs>
1: and just out publish <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. That be, wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> so. If you come to Perth, you'll school me on the hills for sure. I'm I'm ready to be taken care of like an but, old man. But Cyrus,
0: you've got plenty of years to one up him though. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. Well,
1: I'm pretty I'm pretty sure having a pro uh, contract is already one upping.
2: Well, so. I'm just gonna hope he doesn't just go into the Masters racing, and I'll never be able to get him back.
1: Well, that's basically all i do. be <laughs> doing. Yep. <So. laughs> Anyhow, um, yes. Yeah, so the topic for today is a blood lactate testing, but more specifically, not a how to, because there's lots of how to's on this and there's lots of information about it. And we're better than that, no, just kidding. <laughs> well, but what we, what we do is always, what we try to offer here is content that other places aren't giving you. So what we're gonna do with the blood lactate testing thing when it comes to cyclists is to ask the question should we actually be blood lactate testing cyclists? And so there's a little bit of background on this. this is um, My first kind of consulting gig I ever had was coming out of my master's an uh, exercise phys, and I had a cycling gym approach me. It was actually my coach's cycling gym, and they they wanted to do blood lactate testing at the gym. And I came in and I kind of consulted them how to to do it. And and the more I thought about the whole thing, the whole practice of blood lactate testing cyclists, the more I started to question the practice. And so that's what I want to get into today is um, just kind of, being skeptical here as we often do a lot of times um but one the thing that kind of that off the bat that's kind of an might be kind of a red flag for people is that you, know, you often find the people who are promoting this type of testing are also selling the service to people so it's always kind of like well if you're selling the service then you are definitely motivated to to, there's a conflict of interest going on there which
0: i want to jump in here for a second and say that i really don't know anybody that actually does this service Mm -hmm. so i don't know what what my world just looks totally different for some reason and maybe it's because i'm never kind of in a cycling community of any sorts just Mm -hmm. just the way my life is set up i don't know and of these people that are offering these services and I, I, mm-hmm. I, don't offer it. I've never really mm-hmm. thought about it. That's why the deep dive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy. But that's a comment for me overall that maybe, I don't know. You started sort of in this in the coaching world, what mid two thousands or something.
1: Yeah, where was, there uh, might have yeah. been a hangover or from the nineties and two yeah. thousands. Yeah, yeah. So nineties
0: yeah. and and two thousands, where lactate testing was probably the thing, and then mm-hmm. that dies down, and then power comes in, mm-hmm. and it seems when I came in. To coaching and coming back to cycling end of 2000s early 2010s power was just the thing Mm -hmm. and lactate sort of took a back step except for institutions and other places Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of interesting
1: well what, what what do you what's your experience with it cyrus
2: yeah it's it hasn't been that that big i think probably more experience at University than in an actual mm-hmm. practical sense. Once I've mm-hmm. been cycling at a high level myself, uh, that's p- possibly just because the the work I was doing in my final year of my undergrad was a lot to do with lactate testing. Like we were we were investigating beta alanine, so obviously that is designed to. Well, the idea of supplementing with beta alanine is to have an effect on blood lactate, and that was a project for a lot of my final year so I spent a lot of time working with it but since I've sort of left university I haven't I don't think I've actually been subject to a blood lactate test myself and Mm -hmm. yeah speaking to other pros it's not something that they'll get done very often I know a lot of world tour teams will do it at their pre-season camp and then Mm -hmm. not again throughout the season uh, often unless Mm -hmm. they're there might be a special circumstance, but something in that instant tells you that it's likely not prioritized as a as a measure mm-hmm. for them or they would be repeating it because they'd want to see how it's reacting throughout the season. But I know mm-hmm. it is it's definitely still there and I do see it popping up. but mm-hmm. yeah, as Damien said compared to power now and some other newer metrics coming in, it's it's not it's mm-hmm. it's not the most fashionable thing currently.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what this might end up being is just kind of a nail in the coffin. If it's just kind of being <laughs> phased out by itself.
0: Well, don't, um, don't jump to conclusions too quickly. I feel like there's a resurgence coming.
1: Okay. Well, I know you pointed out that tweet from... Steven Siler. Siler, Showing Stephen people how to do
0: it for themselves in their own pain cave or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. showing people how mm-hmm. to do it I, I yep. feel like there may be a resurgence and maybe this is people just digging into the science a bit more and seeing it done mm-hmm. in a lot of papers and things
2: I still get the Instagram ads that's just how I judge how popular a fat is how many Instagram ads I get but the issue there is <laughs> the issue there is I do a, a podcast research on lactigo, and I'm looking up all this stuff and then all of a sudden Instagram goes hang on a sec <laughs> this guy wants to know about lactate so then they're done yeah so then they just <laughs> start pumping me with ads for how to do these things but yeah like
1: speaking of which we have a part two coming on that lock to go hopefully yeah we got s- we haven't told the listeners that yeah so there's more that needs to be told about that story and we're just kind of sitting in the weeds and hoping hopefully, hopefully that comes to fruition because we're working on some stuff there so that's a little uh preface of where we're going with that because that ended up being opening up a can of worms yeah which could be really interesting we're just kind of waiting on some, some fellow listeners uh, to come back with some stuff on that. So um, one thing that we didn't mention about like where it is, where this is prevalent is where I have seen it is it's usually associated with brick and mortar coaches. So if you are a coach that became successful enough to where you could open up a um, facility or uh, have some a place where you could coach your athletes from, well, you have to make up for the cost of that somehow. So that means that you can do testing there. And if we're going to look at endurance athletes, then one of the things that's just going to come with that is blood lactate testing because it's a test of threshold. And yes, with power out there, now you're going to have to convince people to do that test because it is expensive. It's not a cheap thing. Um, It's not the most expensive test to do with athletes, I would say, but it's not cheap and so you have to make the cost back on it and then, and then it also gets into having to justify the brick and mortar space for your coaching through and that's usually a lot of times well, it's either done with sessions or with testing cyclists um I guess there would be other things like maybe strength training or something like that. Within And facility.
2: justify a, um, a testing fee as well. Most coaches will have a, a startup mm-hmm. fee or a testing fee, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, especially if it's in-house testing. So rather than a, a step test that now is so easily accessible on Zwift at home, like you can basically just plug in and go with your free trial and you've done a, a ramp or a step test right there and then. So for coaches to justify a fee, I think they'll try and get as many metrics analyzed and collect, data collected as possible. So I think that's the point of this is we're actually going to, Jason's going to assess whether it's actually worthwhile for the athlete and the coach to be even doing the blood lactate side of the testing. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, yeah. And just to be clear, this is not an ex- exhaustive analysis. There might be some purposes for blood lactate testing cyclists that might come up that we didn't think about. Um, But I think the number of these things that are going to be in this conversation are going to be important to consider. So, um, the first thing, just to kind of break things up here and make it kind of interesting and engaging for our listeners, is I have come up with a true or false quiz about blood lactate. And, my co-host can play along as well but i won't put you guys on the spot but uh i think damien you're gonna cue some music up for this some cheesy music so that we can <laughs> all right <laughs> all right so we'll uh we have uh seven questions here for the listeners and if you want to grab a piece of paper or just kind of keep. Um, hold of it. The answers in your head. These will all be true or false. Question one is: Lactate is a product of oxygen-limited metabolism. My question again for that statement again is: Lactate is a product of oxygen-limited metabolism. True or false? Question two. Blood lactate concentrations can be used to approximate the aerobic and anaerobic thresholds. Oh no, did we run out of
0: music? Sorry, I killed the music. (laughs) It's too distracting.
1: (laughs) All right, that's okay. All right, question three. Lactate is a waste product of the cell produced during exercise. True or false? Question 4. Lactic acid causes delayed onset muscle soreness. True or false? Question 5. Lactate is produced in the cytoplasm of the cell. And the cytoplasm is just the, kind of the what, what holds all of the organelles of the cell. It's just kind of that open liquidy space of the cell. <laughs> That's the fancy name for that. And um, question six, true or false? The accumulation of lactate causes fatigue during exercise. And our last true or false question for this session is, one of the benefits of easy rides is that they clear lactate from the muscles and blood all right so back to, we'll let's get into the answers here so the first question lactate is a product of oxygen limited metabolism and you guys have want to take a stab on that you don't have um, to say yes sir. i'm gonna say uh,
2: yeah I'll, I'll put my uh degree on the line here for for all of these and prepare to be wrong but i would say my answer <laughs> is true it's good true idea. for the first one
1: okay no, it's false. It's right. <laughs> false. But that, to be fair, that is a, more of a cell, cellular question and a bio, biochem question yep. um, than an actual systemic physiology kind of question. So um, it's just kind of one of those things where the systems are always running in the background. So lactate can be produced in the presence of oxygen. It's a product of glycolysis, which is the breakdown of glucose in the cell. Glycolysis does not require oxygen to occur, but this does not mean it doesn't occur in the presence of oxygen. So, it's a little little bit of a, it is an anaerobic metabolism, but it can occur in oxygen. Um, And this can you see, because if you're going to, if I was going to do a blood lactate test on you right now, I would see a blood lactate. So, where is that coming from? Yeah. There's probably oxygen present, you know. Um, so anyways, question two. Blood lactate concentrations can be used to approximate the aerobic and anaerobic thresholds. True. True or false? True. True. I will say yes. I was said true at first, and then I made sure I backed up myself a little bit, and I said debatable. So,
2: <laughs> it's hard yeah, to put a binary there's, on there's that. There's a few here that are a bit gray as far as I'm yeah yeah
1: so it just speaks to how physiology works there's yeah. a lot that's a lot of gray to it um and it gets into the the idea of anaerobic threshold and that's actually pretty that's disputed now that that doesn't seem to be an appropriate name for that threshold that is between yeah. a heavy exercise domain and the severe exercise domain so there's a little bit of trickery on the words and so it's kind of based on this flawed uh, physiological hypothesis and yeah i mean there's other things that measure it as well but um, but i would say for the most part if we're going to just get, stick with the layman's terms yeah it's true it's so the third one lactate is a waste product of the cell produced during exercise true or false
2: I say false. false
1: uh yes you are correct it is false so no it is uh, now known that lactate is a fuel it is a fuel in a intracellular sense so it's a fuel within the cell um, it gets uh, shuttled from where the uh, glycolysis happening in the cyto- in the cytoplasm into the mitochondria that's actually a pretty new finding it can be an intercellular uh, fuel which uh, shuttled from one cell to another and it's also a precursor for gluconeogenesis so it would be weird to consider something as a fuel as a waste that's kind of not what fuel is at all right it's kind of the opposite of waste um as uh, question four lactic acid causes delayed onset muscle soreness no false uh, yes gave me the answer but like most people I, I, uh but uh one of the things in here is lactic acid versus lactate those are not exactly the same things and people use them interchangeably which i know i've probably done in the past at some point um but lactic acid isn't really doesn't really exist per se it's thing. hard to say it exists mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is lactate is an anion and the h plus ions lactic yeah. acid Yep. Requires hydrogen and they're going to dissociate. So the lactate is the thing that we're generally measuring, not lactic acid.
2: Just one quick, quick one while it's on my mind as well. You, you yep. can't lactate. It's not a verb to lactate during exercise. Just like yeah. the, if we have someone, a guy finish a race and say, man, I was lactating so hard at this point during the race. <laughs> <laughs> to, to lactate is produce yeah. to produce milk. From the, yes. from the nipples um, so there's not too many uh, hopefully there's not too many male athletes during doing that during intense was, exercise
1: <laughs> oh my gosh was he lactating during his leg opener exercises yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lactating uh, just anyways, be careful um, using that one
2: guys
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, lactate is readily metabolized and does not hang out in the muscle causing damage and then the other thing is How could it? It's just an anion. It's not like a free radical or something crazy like that. Or it's not like you unleashed a cat in there. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So number five, lactate is produced in the cytoplasm of the cell. True or false? Uh, I'm going to say false. That's true. That's where it's produced. That's the, that's again a cellular bio question. Uh, number six: The accumulation of lactate causes fatigue during exercise.
2: I'm going to say false with an asterisk. Asterisk. Yes, it is false. Fatigue
1: during exercise is complex and multifactorial, so it means it's going to be hard to just point out one thing and say that's the cause. It depends
0: which scientist you talk to. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, I I was I likened lactate more to smoke at the fire than, than the fire, if that makes any yeah. sense. Um, and an interesting fact that's kind of exhibiting this relationship where, uh, blood lactate concentrations are actually lower in time trials that are performed in heat. So in tra- uh, doing a time trial in heat, you would expect you power goes down for sure. And if you would think, well, you'd think, well, okay, well, if the power's down and there's more fatigue, then that means, and if it's caused, this fatigue is caused by a lactate, then you would expect that in the heat, lactate uh, concentrations in the blood would increase, but that's not true. So there's something, there's other pathways to reach fatigue, even if lactate was a cause of fatigue. Um, so, and number seven... Uh, One of the benefits of easy rides is that they clear a lactate from the muscles and blood. True or false? False. Yes. Lactate clears from the blood very quickly. And I actually have data from from one of my studies showing this. So 24 hours after a hard ride, blood lactate levels are returned to baseline by a long shot.
2: We did go right into this on the, was it the warm-ups episode or... I think we did uh, – no, we did a, a mini topic on active recovery, I think, as well, if you uh, want to yeah. revisit that for clearance of blood lactate. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so those those are the test quizzes or the test qu- uh, the quizzes, <laughs> the t- quiz questions. And thanks for you guys for playing along. Hopefully that would
2: – Five out of seven, I missed out on my distinction. Going to have to go back to school.
1: Yeah, and why I started with that is because lactate has a very unique thing going on in our culture. Like, everyone seems to say things like, oh, I was riding really hard and my muscles got sore and it's because the blood lactate's building up. And so, basically, when people think about exercise physiology and think about blood lactate and then they have all of these preconceived notions of blood lactate and what it does and... Most of that is untrue. And I'm totally guilty of this as well. I, I came out of a cell bio background and I went into my exercise phys course and I said something along the lines like, yeah, blood lactate causes muscle soreness during acute exercise. And Cyrus, you would know enough coming out of your undergrad that that's not the case. But me with the cell bio background and I, I knew all of the bits and pieces and enzymes of everything from glycolysis all the way to the ends of the Krebs cycle and the electron transfer chain. I had that, all that memorized, but when it came to what it, what, what it did in, in the system, uh, we we never really covered that in just plain cell biology. So, yeah, it, it that history of it. I mean, the history of blood lactate is you know it was discovered. Um, in sour milk in 1780 so that's a long that's hundreds of years we've known about this molecule and one of the reasons that it was kind of a focus of early exercise scientists is that we could actually measure it we could actually analyze it as opposed to there's a lot of other things that would come, became a while before we could analyze it so it's kind of one of these things like well how important is it because of what it does or just because it's been around for a long time and, and it's just Historically ingrained in the culture at this point. That
2: Milk fact that explains the uh, the name as well. I always wondered why it, yeah. you had the milky name for something that has nothing to do with milk in in theory, but now I understand.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's more prevalent in, like when you talk about fermentation and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, and that might also get into why it's considered anaerobic and things because um, fermentation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, one of the first things I noticed was. Exercise intensity goes up and lactate concentrations in the blood go up. So, automatically, because of that association, there's all of these other things that have been associated, maybe unfairly or incorrectly, with blood lactate and increases in intensity. So, this is where you would get the muscle soreness. This is where you get the delayed onset muscle soreness type things uh, and all the other things that people, you know thinking it's a poison or toxic or causes fatigue. These are easy to think that association would be there if early on in the whole research, we saw that it increased with exercise intensity. Um, another thing that was kind of has pushed this in the, the mainstream culture is the Nobel Prize winning research that was done by uh, Avi Hill and Otto Meyerhoff. Uh, and they provided a rationale or an explanation linking lactate to anaerobic metabolism and acidosis. And so this also probably related to that being accepted as fact. I mean, once you get associated with a Nobel Prize, then it's pretty going to be pretty ingrained in the culture as well. However, subsequent research using new methods have debunked a lot of these thoughts uh, that we have previously thought about lactate but are still going to be uh, these debunked things are still going to be around in the mainstream culture. So the reason why I bring this up is because already we're starting from a place where the blood lactate has probably had more importance put onto it in the cycling world than it maybe deserves. Right. And so because um, most cyclists aren't exercise physiologists, but at the same time, they're going to want to understand exercise. So a lot of their interpretation of exercises might be coming from, you know, less scientific sources. Or you, you think about like my undergrad versus your undergrad, Cyrus. They're c- very close, but you could see how you could see just in this exercise how out of my undergrad it was would totally misunderstood things about exercise phys, yeah. and now to yours you would have totally misunderstood things out of cell bio. Yeah. So even scientists are going to get this wrong.
2: I was also going to say for this topic in particular, I think I was late enough that even when I was studying blood lactate in school, like from my PE teacher, and they're obviously. Generally, physical education teachers at a secondary college aren't the ones that have got a uh, master's in biochemistry or anything like that. But even then, he was telling us, okay, be careful. Lactate's probably not the evil guy that everyone makes it out to be. And then definitely mm-hmm. as soon as I got to university, it was straight away, okay, don't be scared of lactate. That's that's not what's making your muscles sore. So I think I was sort of late enough to the party that everyone had already gone off lactate as the, the main causer of fatigue during acute exercise. So I think that's also part of it is that perhaps, yeah, 15, 20 years ago, the, it was more, okay, this is what we think's doing the damage. Whereas even when I came into it, the the sort of widely held knowledge was that it wasn't the, the evil guy.
1: Yeah. And the, I think the asterisk there is that you came out of an Australian PE system yeah, and yeah. there's a much more sports science culture yeah. everywhere here. So I kind of wonder if that would be the case back home as prevalent. Yeah. Interesting though, yeah. or back home from me in the US. Yep. So it could be, it's been a long time since I've had <laughs> PE. <laughs> yep. um, anyway, so just a little bit on the biochemistry of, of this, it's uh, lactate is a product of glycolysis and glycolysis and as an anaerobic breaking down of glucose molecules and that happens without oxygen and it happens like i said it happens inside of the cell it happens very quickly and uh, it used to be thought that you know the the end product of uh, glycolysis was pyruvate and the pyruvate went into the krebs cycle and then you know that whole chain occurred but there's, I guess we have some good evidence now that this lactate, that is actually what is used as fuel in that. That was a controversial thing for a while, and it might still be, but we have papers out there that are kind of explaining that. So again, it gets into that it's a fuel source. Uh, so it's not all bad if it's going to be used as a fuel source. Yeah. And then we're just talking about lactate versus lactic acid differentiation there. Another thing about blood lactate, and I think I've mentioned this before when we were in the threshold episode, was when we measure blood lactate, you have to remember that we're trying to determine what's going on at the level of the muscle. And that means that blood lactate is really kind of a shadow of what is happening within the muscle. And this gets into this idea of flux with blood lactate. And might sound a little bit nerdy, but this is a little bit of physiology that people should be thinking about when it comes to this test. And that there's going to be this flux at the cellular level for lactate, which means that, you know, you could have an increase in lactate production when your work rate goes up because you're burning more glucose or you're breaking down more glucose. Um, And that flux would be changing by how much of that lactate is being uptaked into the mitochondria um but the other the other place of flux that you have to consider is so we're trying to we're trying to measure this concentration that's occurring within the muscle but there's also the a flux with lactate that happens within the system and that happens when lactate leaves the muscle cell or any cell really and Lactate can be uptaken in many different places within the body. Different cells, different organs will bring lactate in. So, you have this change in flux there. So, if you're measuring blood lactate accumulation and you have two areas that are fluctuating… Well, there's… There's then,
2: a third as well because now one that's coming in a bit more is sweat analysis of lactate. So you can just wear a patch and you can have continuous monitoring of lactate through the sweat, but that's going to be a third degree because from the blood to the, yeah, the sweat yeah. excretions is another level of I, flux.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I, – I think that would be a source of – I don't want to say air because it's not air, Error (laughs) because flux is an in and an out, right? And and I was going to bring up this, so so it's good that you brought it up, this idea of when you sweat and there's this change in interstitial fluid that's moving in and out of the blood, and if you start exercising for a while and you sweat for a while and you get dehydrated, then that means that the concentration of lactate would increase because you've basically lost liquids right um but i don't know if that would be necessarily considered flux although it would affect the concentration you're completely right that it would affect the it would affect the concentration but when i think of flux is it's coming in and it's going out
2: yeah it's not it's not it's not coming yeah it's never coming in from the sweat or being reabsorbed from the sweat
1: yeah Yep. for sure so It's a lot of nerdy stuff, but like, again, I want to get into how complicated this is so people kind of understand where the many kind of iffy, wonky things that can be happening in this test are.
0: Hey, it's Damien, and I want to talk about something I love about cycling, and that is performance is not just based on physical ability. It requires intelligence, anticipation, and the ability to see what others can't. That's why this episode's sponsor, the Karoo 2, is such a fascinating device, because it has the ability to see upcoming hills and the anticipated effort required. The Karoo 2 is a standalone Android bike computer, it feels solid in your hands, and you can see your data clearly with the high-res, full-color, smartphone-like screen. And that screen is really useful when it comes to displaying some of the cool features Hammerhead has developed, like the Climber feature that lets you visualize and prepare for upcoming gradient changes in real time. This Climber feature was used at this year's Tour de France by writers like Israel Startup Nation's Michael Woods, and this is where the feature is interesting for performance nerds like us. A guy like Mike can take the Climber and say, okay, I know my sweet spot is, let's say, 4 to 12 minutes at anything above 12%, and if it's not a headwind, that's a perfect opportunity for Mike. So. He actually looks for those opportunities live within a race. Think about how you could also use this feature to find your sweet spot on climbs and have the confidence that when you attack your riding buddies or in a race, you're doing it at the best possible time to get an edge on your competition. For a limited time, podcast listeners can get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo Two. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code SEMIPRO at checkout to get yours today. That's a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karu 2. When you go to hammerhead.io and use the promo code SEMIPRO only for a limited time, don't forget to use our special promo code because it supports our show. That's hammerhead.io promo code SEMIPRO and get your Karu 2 and a free heart rate monitor today.
1: So, why do we test? Why do we we have had this question multiple times? this so, why do we currently blood lactate test cyclists? Do you guys have any thoughts? But
0: before before we sort of go into that, do you have any idea of the history? Like you were saying in the the broader sort of sports science world, that it became a thing very early on, and then exercise physiologists took that. And then why did they start testing? You know, when, when were the first tests, 70s, 80s, something like that?
1: I don't know. I would imagine maybe the 1920s, I think, yes. like, off the top of my head.
0: It would be interesting to know how far back it went in the actual sport itself to get an idea of mm-hmm. whether people would just, that's why it is so ingrained in the culture.
1: Yeah, I think I want to say it's in the 1920s, but don't quote behind that I, um, but what's funny is a lot of these papers that have come out to that have debunked a lot of this stuff has been out since the 80s and 90s so decades now right it's still in the culture and it's kind of this well, when will it leave will it ever leave um, and you know cyrus you're your generation behind it so it's interesting to hear that it is potentially getting pushed out now but the but the
0: the your original question the main reasons why people would do it they're looking for this movement this change mm-hmm. these thresholds to actually move and they're mm-hmm. looking at those, at those measures that that's the main thing i see it and then outside of that systems attached to it complete uh, zones training zones and things mm-hmm. linked to mm-hmm. this as yep. well
2: and also yep. i think uh it's just a like although it's not it's not the easiest test by far, but it is a relatively easy way to measure something that's occurring within the body. So power is obviously an external measure. Uh, heart rate is an internal measure, and that's one that's obviously been used for a long time as well. But aside from heart mm-hmm. rate, I'd say this is probably the the next easiest I can think of off the top of my head for something that's within the body that you can measure and get some data on what's what's going on inside the athlete rather than just the external measures of power or speed or or something like that
1: yeah i mean unless you want to do like a core temp pill or something like that Core temp
2: would be another one
1: yeah and skin temp would be easy too but still yeah i understand and those those are not going to relate as directly to metabolism you know as lactate would so i obviously i don't want to throw the listeners off too much there but one thing that is important to and those are all really good reasons and those are all reasons that I had written down but one thing to wanted to say was that is important to make this distinction between blood lactate testing that happens for the purpose of training which we're talking about here and blood lactate testing that is happening for the purposes of research because those are going to both be done and you shouldn't necessarily to look at hey they're doing this in the scientific you know labs and they're doing this in the exercise phys labs for their research therefore it should be valid for training um, it's valid in the sense that it met potentially measures what it says it measures like we talked in the testing episode but at the same time uh, just because they do it in research doesn't mean it's necessarily a great idea to do with your athletes or for the purposes of monitoring training, it's not exactly true. So, um, and one of the other things here again with the training zones is getting back to exercise domains, so you can measure lactate threshold one, lactate threshold two. Another reason I have put down here is culture. We've talked about that, uh, and uh, but specifically for cycling, you know, cyclists are. Uh, how do I say it? We, we are uh, gluttons for punishment. We are a little bit masochistic. Would you, would you agree, Cyrus?
2: Uh, yeah, def- definitely.
1: And so, this pain equals good things. At the end of our r- ride, in the race, interval training, we just have associated, learned to associate So let's prick pain. our
0: ears and fingers yeah. just yeah. to... Yeah, so, so let's prick our pain.
1: ears and fingers, get more pain. This is going to be better for me because it gets into the body and it hurts to do.
2: But it's funny...
1: Not a, not a solid argument, but it's one of those things that makes you go, hmm.
2: That's, that's a really interesting point because one of the big draw cards I know athletes in particular have for lactate testing and especially to... Uh, to work out what the lactate threshold one is, is it is submaximal. So it's less pain in an exercise sense, in that you in theory can establish these thresholds, aerobic and anaerobic, or I'm sure we'll touch on on why these why this might not be that actually valuable for establishing these or why they might not be called that. But regardless, the tests for these aren't maximal tests in the same way that a 20 minute test is a maximal test uh you're you're cycling at a sustainable intensity and just monitoring the the lactate values and changes as the intensity changes but i know for athletes that have undertaken this kind of testing they like it because you can have it during an endurance block and it's not this maximal effort in their their training
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I can mean, file that under an advantage for the test, yeah. which we'll get into some of the advantages of doing the test. And one more thing to add to the culture bit is again, it's science y. Right? It looks science y. It's well established within the science. So. It
0: certainly looks good at um, world tour and team photos yeah, at their yeah, camps yeah, and yeah. things.
1: Oh, yeah. On the side of the oh, yeah. road. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. And like For me, knowing what I know about, Blood lactate testing and physiology, and I'm like, w- w- what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> That's always my thought. I'm like, uh, all right, well, is this just for the photo shoot, or do you really think this is going to be? I mean, it's to the point where it's so. You get so. Sometimes you get to the point where it's so ecologically valid, it's invalid. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm like, uh, um. And one thing, and the last thing I have, and this maybe sounds a little bit cynical, but yeah, it's a money maker. So, again, you have a brick and mortar cycling coaching business. It's one thing to kind of tack on with your services, and it makes you some money. And the investment for those portable lactate analyzers is going to be much less expensive than something like a metabolic cart, which brings me to the question of would blood lactate testing be as prevalent? Among amateur cyclists, if metabolic carts cost the same as blood lactate analyzers, because it's just much easier to get, um, to get hooked up to a metabolic cart and just go through everything on there and someone would figure out BT1 and BT2 for you instead of LT1 and LT2. I don't know, if um, but yeah, just the thought just to kind of keep in the back of your head while we're going through this anyways, moving on types of lactate thresholds. We talked about that in the thresholds episode. So I'll just have a little bit of a refresher here. Um, if people want to get a little bit more in depth into the types of thresholds and what they mean. Definitely check out that episode. Cause I thought it was a pretty good rundown on all of the thresholds, but I think we mentioned before this maximal lactate steady state is the kind of gold standard within the scientific community, kind of, at least it was, or it has been considered that. And that maximal lactate steady state is defined as the highest blood lactate concentration uh, and workload that can be maintained over time without a continual blood lactate accumulation. So basically, if you want to get really specific, it's the highest power output at which blood lactate does not increase from 15 to 30 minutes. And this one, we kind of, there's many, many different types of lactate thresholds that can be measured. There are many ways to determine it. And this has been determined as the best way. And so if we're gonna pick on them, for accuracy, then this is the one. Is, we want to go and be skeptical. of The one that has the highest bar, so that we give it. Th- this it, this is the day. the yeah. the
0: place where it becomes more about sort of an art form <laughs> than a science mm-hmm. or an experience. Uh, reader has to know what they're looking for, rather than just an, a number easily just spat out, and there it is.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: This is where it's well, more tricky. The other thing is, is that this one, the this one happens. I mean there's different variations of it but the the old school ways to do it over multiple days and we've talked about this from the testing protocol or the testing episode where we were saying you know one day of testing is enough like imagine like having to be doing it over multiple days to get this one number It just that seems like a bit too much so the best gold standard is for the most part takes multiple days so if we are going into these single day ones, which is what most, I think most people are going to be offered, um, in terms of a service, then it's going to be one of these lower level ones that potentially aren't as accurate. So, you know, when we get into these fixed blood lactate level tests with the graded exercise and there's the DMAX method, the DMAX modified method, the individual anaerobic threshold, um, each one of these, I, I think the, the take home for this, we're not going to get into all of the validity of them. Um, but the take home is, is that each one of those is going to have a different level of validity and usefulness. And so, if you, so not all blood lactate tests are the same. It's basically, the or at
0: least knowing and, which one you're getting, which one you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if that yeah. is even
0: advertised. It's kind of like this is a test, yeah. lactate test, mm-hmm. and not even knowing what it is, so you could even just do some research on the validity of it yourself.
1: Yeah, and you're going to want to make sure that if you're traveling around and getting blood lactate tests at different places that they're doing it the same way. Um because again, you you there's a we'll get into this, but there's a lot of places in this test where error can be (laughs) introduced. Yeah, so those are just a few of the blood lactate testing types. And then so from there, let's talk about blood lactate testing methods. And the methods that we're going to talk about here are the ones that are generally like this is the general format for determining lactate thresholds. You could also potentially test blood lactate after other forms of exercise. I did it. In my master's, I did it after we did three consecutive Wingate tests. So you don't necessarily need to do it after a graded exercise test, like we're going to explain it here. And then like the, we just talked about with those photos, people doing it at the top of a mountain and things like that. And so you can blood lactate test technically an athlete anywhere you have a blood lactate analyzer and a way to access their blood. But most people are going to do this, in a lab to determine threshold because without multiple data points in a controlled manner, is that like a graded exercise test is you're just. Why are you doing
0: it on the side of a mountain? Why are you doing it on the side of a mountain?
1: I don't know. <laughs> because the thing is,
0: that's. Do you get somebody to do an effort like a threshold, like what they sh- should sit at a threshold or something, and then you're measuring it and then
1: yeah get a i mean that without with the effort or something without yeah yeah those that could be a potential way because but without that added context i can only guess right because if the maybe if the athlete rode to the top of the mountain with a um, steady wattage then okay then we can look at maybe lactate at that point to get an idea of what their lactate is compared to what they were seeing in the lab. But that gets into, but riding
0: to the bottom of the mountain, looking for the um, aerobic threshold, maybe something like that.
1: Yeah. But the other, the other way you could climb the mountain is going as hard as you could. And And just seeing what happens there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that they could be measuring, but if you go as hard as you can, you're adding a lot of variability into the test. But if you have a power meter on the bike, okay.
0: <laughs> the only way it seems would be like the old school way of having a, a mountain that you climb as a test and mm-hmm. some way you're doing s- some repeatability of the process. Um, mm-hmm. But even then it's wonky, seems wonky. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I, I can think of a few people I've seen testing like this both americans <laughs> if i think um, but yeah so maybe that's part of <laughs> the reason uh but i don't know so anyways the, the methods for this for the most part is we use an incremental exercise protocol or graded exercise test this is usually increased a few watts over time the length of these steps can be three to 10 minutes. You're, what you're looking for is reaching an aerobic steady state, uh, which is going to be, you have to do it for at least three minutes for the most part. And then then you can do it in a, in a discontinuous or continuous protocol. So some people might like to stop the exercise. And so you can wipe off the sweat and all that kind of stuff. Some people and just have the, rider relax for a second so it's easier to access the blood other people are skilled enough where they can do a continuous grade exercise test and access the blood through maybe the ear lobe or a catheter or something like that and it makes it a little bit easier to get to the blood at that point and then as you as we discussed you you take the blood sample from the ear the finger catheter syringe um you can do a muscle biopsy, but then it's not a blood lactate test anymore. And I don't know why anyone would do a blood muscle biopsy for training purposes. For so any purpose? It's, it's kind of too
2: painful.
0: <laughs> While you're actually <laughs> but, doing a test afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is for research, right? You're not gonna. That's a, that's a big needle. Yeah. To get stuck Oof. with. Uh, <laughs>
2: bigger than the Pfizer needle, that's for sure.
1: Yep. Not for sure the, the the blood is analyzed in a blood lactate analyzer this is for most people most situations are going to be those portable handheld devices but old school and maybe fancy labs are going to have kind of this big bench top analyzer for blood lactates then you would take these data points, these concentrations, and you would plot them versus the power output that was held at each one of the steps. And then, so now you have this graph, and then from that graph with those points, then you extrapolate LT1 and LT2, which gets kind of difficult because you what you have is you don't have a straight line with these points, and Cyrus has probably seen this before, you have this kind of curve, that you're, tr- you're trying to figure out a curve off of maybe 15 data points at the most. That's a lot of data points. <laughs> um, it's actually a lot of data points that you would get out of this test, but it's not a lot of data points to get a curve, yeah. to figure out a curve. And you're trying
2: to basically find some flat points on the curve, which indicate the thresholds, but they don't tend to be as flat as you would like them to be as well, especially mm-hmm. with a and, and very... Then, yeah a very sort of staggered curve that you get from only having a certain number of data points yeah so if you imagine fitting a
1: if you have an excel program and you put in a best fit line yeah right if it's a best fit line then that's pretty easy you can have like one data point off you just draw the line straight through it right but on this you have one data point off and you're trying to figure out a curve Like it's much more difficult to determine where those inflection points are. Yeah. So, right. So, and then this gets into, there's multiple different ways of determining these inflection points. So you'd want to know which one is being used um, for your own reference if you plan on doing this. So yeah, then you, once you get those points, you hopefully can figure out your LT1 and LT2, which is one of the advantages of the test is that you get one test and you potentially get two measures of thresholds, which is a little bit, I'll give it that. Um, so and some important notes that, that go along with this, we've kind of discussed them as we go along here, but the, there's definitely some things to keep in mind. Uh, um, so your, your number of steps, the length of the steps, the increase in, in the step is all important. Uh, then again the continuous versus discontinuous graded exercise protocol that's going to be important to consider and to keep the same between because if you're going to do a test you're going to have to do it again and it's some and you're going to want it to be the exact same conditions and protocols between the two right so um, something else to consider is that blood draw time so where in the step, are you testing it, and how long does it take you to get the blood, and then take the blood into the analyzer? And that comes down, like you said, Damien. a lot of that comes down to how well the tester actually knows what they're doing. And you could have something where you're the first person that this tester ever te- ever did a test on. You get your blood lactate, you come back, and they're just quicker at doing the test. And you have to assume that a very vi- that variability into it not only did your fitness change but the tester just got better if you're going back to the same person yeah and
0: even well even things like your hydration level and how much you're bleeding can affect how long these processes take as well like i've gone into mm-hmm. a test uh dehydrated and it just, they just it took forever to squeeze blood out of mm-hmm. my ear
1: mm-hmm. yep so there's exactly. all these small things as well yeah exactly exactly um the other one here is, yeah, the like you said, the blood draw method in place is going to be important because I think a lot of people like the earlobe because it doesn't get as sweaty; it's more accessible for the tester. Mm. But if you use fingers in that, um, there's there's a lot of sweat on a bike, and any of those drops of sweat, that's going to change the concentration. Sweat in in the blood will decrease the concentration of the lactate in the blood and it's going to make it look like you're fitter than you really are, <laughs> at least for that step.
2: Yeah, that was a massive ish- issue we had when we were doing ours. We were doing Wingate tests so the rider was stationary after the 30-second sprints but still just a heap of sweat there. And the, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the group member that was collecting the samples just like still using an alcohol swab to um, get rid of the sweat but just, yeah, then... We were just getting some pretty crazy data points there that didn't add up. So I think that's another sort of reason you have to, if you're going to be doing this, have someone that knows what they're looking at analyzing the data after you've collected it for that reason so that they can determine whether the, the points are actually plausible, whether the data is actually valid.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you also have to consider the blood lactate uh, analyzer accuracy. Yep. And so those portable ones are notoriously not great. Yep. Maybe they've gotten better now. Um, I know when I was doing my master's, we used two blood lactate analyzers, two of those portable ones on the same sample. Yep. Because sometimes they would just wouldn't read and you just wanted to have that second one kind of backing it up. But those testing strips are not cheap. No, nah,
2: nah, not at all.
1: So if you decide as a coach is doing this and you're like, oh, well, that sounds like a good idea. I'll be able to increase my accuracy by... Increasing the number of strips and getting two of these analyzers, well, that's going to be added cost that you have to put in for this. So, yeah, something to consider. Like I said, those strips, not cheap at all. Right. So, th- we talked about, have to consider the extrapolation method and the accuracy of the data points. And so, I'm trying to keep these unique to Blood lactate testing only because I mean to be fair, every single test is gonna have a place where error can be error can be uh <laughs> it's the ongoing. J- is it the rule of threes on the error yeah. joke yet?
0: <laughs> no, every time you say it, I still get confused, so I'm glad you'd say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> My brain hasn't switched yet.
1: All right, fair enough. Um yeah, so these these are unique to, For the most part, uh, except for the graded exercise protocol, you could make that argument about, about VO2 max testing. But most of these things are going to be unique. These are places where air can be introduced that are only going to be found in blood lactate testing. Um, but w- outside of that, we always talk about environmental considerations for some for some reason. But how often when you see this test done in in a lab? For training purposes, you know, or a cycling gym or something like that, how often do you see the, the fan on the athlete, right? Or how stringent do you think those room temperatures are controls are going to be? Because those are going to have an effect on on these concentrations, obviously. But there's a really good paper that we've actually brought up a couple times here written by uh, Andrew Jones and discuss critical power as this the new gold standard for maximal metabolic steady state. And in his paper, he takes he has a good uh, takedown of maximal lactate steady state. And in there, he cited another paper, the combined error for biological variation and analytical error that could come out of this test as in a submaximal exercise, 11 to 52%. That's high. (laughs) It's very high. And here's another thing that in the methods here that is when you do a great exercise test to determine your threshold for heart rate, let's say you wanted to do a great exercise test to determine your heart rate threshold, which you could do, right? At least when you get on the bike, you can read the heart rate and see live heart rate and be like, this is my threshold heart rate and I'm at it. With a blood lactate test, you are now measuring that lactate and you are corresponding it with either heart rate or power so that you can get the real time reading, right? Cause we don't have real time blood lactate uh, measurements yet, where you can see that data coming at you real time. It's, com- so it's
2: coming. There's a lot of people working on it right now, but yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's not quite here yet, and it's certainly not accessible to the general public.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm sure this uh, this podcast is really going to help up their sales. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> I would be we'll interested. Good them as in sponsor. I'd <laughs> be interested. I wouldn't be testing, yeah. but I'd be interested.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see if we can get them as sponsors for the podcast.
2: <laughs> sponsor sponsor <laughs> this episode.
1: Yeah, just don't listen to episode 17. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyways, the thing you have to consider with this now is because you are trying to connect blood lactate with either a power or a heart rate that you can read on your bike it would be incorrect to assume that those things are always going to be coupled together. Those two values, the value that your lactate was at threshold and the value that your power was at when your lactate was at threshold. It would be incorrect to think that those things are always going to be coupled together. Those are going to decouple for many reasons. They would decouple over time. They would decouple with because of environmental factors. They would decouple because of adrenaline and things like that. So even if you had this awesome, perfect blood lactate test that determined your threshold as accurately as feasible, uh, as accurate as uh, perfect, right? For the thought experiment, I'll just go with perfect. This is still going to be inaccurate when you potentially, once you ride for a little bit. Because everything is going to be different. Uh so from there, now that we've punched this thing (laughs) into the ground for a little bit.
0: Okay, let's just wrap that up here then. Uh thank you guys for contributing. Thank you, Jason, for writing what you've done so far. Let's have a revisit in the next episode. And if you listening want to get involved and know when we release episodes or know when they are when our weekly call is scheduled then follow along on our twitter or instagram accounts on twitter we're at cycling club pod and on instagram we're at cycling performance club but until next time
1: take care see you guys Uh, yeah
2: yeah i'm sweet
0: jason
1: uh one last thing are we gonna potentially are we we gonna mention that story where with me and um cyrus finding out that we raced against each other yeah
2: that's a good little tidbit
1: you think people are
0: interested Uh and they want to listen to that
1: well if it sucks then we just edit it out or if or if this one's too long we can always edit it out and put it in another one <laughs> this is a funny story though for you guys <laughs>